the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, April the 26th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On April 26, 1986, an explosion and fire at Chernobyl a nuclear power plant in Ukraine caused radioactive fallout to begin spewing into the atmosphere. You probably remember that. I do. The death toll from the radiation poisoning is believed to be in the thousands. But no one knows for sure. Today in 1607, English colonists went ashore at present-day Cape Henry, Virginia. They were on an expedition to establish the first permanent English settlement in the Western Hemisphere. They did. Today in 1865, John Wilkes Booth, the assassin of President Abraham Lincoln, he was surrounded by federal troops near Port, Port Royal, Virginia. They killed him. Today in 1933, Nazi Germany's infamous secret police, the Gestapo, were created. Today in 1968, the United States exploded beneath the Nevada desert, a 1.3 megaton nuclear device. The people that did the detonating called it the boxcar. Today in 2000, Vermont Governor Howard Dean, he signed the nation's first bill allowing same-sex couples to form civil unions. Remember it well. Civil unions, they said, would suffice. Gays were wanting to be married just like heterosexuals and normal people have done throughout history, throughout all of recorded history. Marriage has been the fundamental, between a man and a woman, has been the fundamental building block of all societies, forever. But the gays said, we want that right. We have a right to that. And so guys like Howard Dean and others across the nation begin to say, well, we'll give them civil unions and then we won't have to give them marriage. They'll be satisfied. Oh, no. That, that's not the way it works. It's called incrementalism. That was the first step in redefining marriage, supposedly. Marriage cannot be redefined. God established marriage, and God hasn't redefined it, so it's not redefined. And I'm very, very dogmatic about that. I mean, it is what it is. Marriage is a union between a man and a woman, and the purpose of that is to form a, a family unit it's, among many other things, it is the only way that the human race sustains itself. I mean, it's really basic and fundamental. But anyway, that was the first step to where we are today with the craziness that's going on in our culture under the banner, under the banner of LGBTQIA+, whatever. President Biden announced that he, in fact, is running. A lot of people didn't think he would actually do that. Um, I wondered if he was just stringing the people along and someone that's pulling the strings behind the, the scenes 
would tell him that he wasn't going to run, but apparently that didn't happen, or if it did, he didn't pay attention to them because he announced that he will be running. I had to wonder, do you think he'll be, I mean, do you think anything will happen between now and the election where he might decide to withdraw or to pull back or I don't know. A lot of it, I think a lot of intrigue is going on behind the scenes. I don't know what it is, but my sense uh, tells me that there's a lot going on. And, and President Joe Biden it was not welcomed with a king's welcome, I'll tell you. Um, less than a quarter of Democrats feel excited about President Joe Biden's 2024 campaign for re-election. He just announced it uh, yesterday. CBS News and YouGov uh, did a poll, a national poll yesterday. They found that just 22%, this is CBS News, they would be favorable. They would be cheering for Biden, maybe quietly, but they would be cheering for him. But they found that just 22% of Democrats are excited that Biden launched a re-election bid, while only 28% say they're confident about his re-election effort. Th- those are not very strong numbers for a sitting president, but the poll also found that Democrats are worried about the president's age. There was a 45% of Democrats say Biden should not run, and 86% of those who gave this answer that he shouldn't run, they cite his age, he's 80 years old, as the reason. There are other reasons that I think are as compelling as the age, and the and his age is compelling. But anyway, a slim majority of 55% say that he should run with the 2024 nomination. Overall, the whole nation, 59% of Americans disapproved of Biden's performance. And this was a poll taken yesterday. Well, actually, day before yesterday and published yesterday. So his performance as president is not is not well received. 41% approve. 59% of Americans disapprove of the way he's handling his job and running the country. Only 17% strongly approve, 41% strongly disapprove. The poll comes as the majority of the nation, the majority of the nation believes Joe Biden's America is headed on the wrong track. 67% of Americans say Biden's America is headed in the wrong direction. This is a CIVIQ poll. Just 22% say it's going in the right direction. 10% aren't sure. They don't know. What, they don't know which way we're going. A recent USA poll I noticed uh, in a Suffolk University, they went together and did a poll, and that revealed that about 40% of individuals who voted for Biden in 2020 do not want <laughs> do not do not do not want him to launch a re-election campaign. Well, he went ahead and did that. That's already in in the books. But 35% of respondents preferred a third-party candidate over Biden. The problem with third-party candidates, some of the best, most talented people, and Biden is certainly not one of those, but, but there are some talented people out there. But even history shows that the most talented, uh, capable people who have started third-party um Efforts, you know, and programmed campaigns in America have not have not been able to pull it off. I mean, they haven't been able to succeed. It's a very very difficult thing to do, and I know there's a lot of talk about that, particularly among conservatives. But nonetheless, I don't know that that's the best idea. It it, it makes a group of people feel good that coalesce around it, whether it's extreme 
left or extreme right or somewhat moderate or whatever it is. There's a group of people that will follow a third-party uh, effort, and I understand it. I, I truly do. Uh, I'm less than exuberant about a lot of things about the Republican Party, but I still choose them over the Democrat Party. So one could say, well, we need a third party. Well, perhaps we do, but I haven't seen that successful in history so far, unless I've missed something very, very big somewhere along the line. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Sometimes we think as believers, as people committed to the Lord, we wonder and think in our own lives, you know, I'm not capable, I, I, I'm not, I can't quite, I mean, I have so many weaknesses and I can't, I can't be the person I want to be and so on. It's in that context, the context of brokenness and weakness and the inability to do what we need to do, that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. His power is already perfect, but it is represented in its perfection, in our weakness. So we carry on, not in our own strength, but in the power of God. Paul wrote to the Romans, you know this verse, you've probably memorized it. Eight, Romans 8.37 Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That's the word of the Lord. I was reviewing a bunch of news content this past Sunday evening. I when we finish the program on Friday, I take, try to take a little time off, and then Sunday afternoon and evening, I begin to really catch up with the news from the from Friday. When I I don't turn it off, but I don't pay extreme attention to it uh, like I do during the week. But anyway, this past Sunday evening, I was scanning just tons of news. I noticed a piece on ABC. Martha Raddatz. She's been with them a long time. She's a liberal, of course. They all are. They're far left, most all of them. But anyway, she did did a, a show on on NBC and a really or ABC, and it really caught my attention. She was she was talking about self defense and guns, and so that caught my attention. The conversation was about really about ridiculing individuals for standing their ground in self defense. That's becoming a real issue today for the left. There's they're they're trying not only to confiscate the guns, but they're trying to punish people who protect themselves. And they haven't succeeded fully, but they're working on it. So that's what was coming through. It was just bleeding through in this conversation. And she, the guy she was uh, interviewing on, on ABC was supposed to be an expert on gun safety and all this kind of thing. Well, as it turns out, he's not at all. He's an activist. And so it was a whole, the whole presentation was really a lie. It was misrepresented from the get-go. And so anyway, I looked at that and I paused and spent some time on it. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that today. The, I don't normally talk about this, but this in the context of Scripture, I think needs to be said. We need to talk about it for a few minutes over a cup of coffee this morning because 
as usual, the left is is complicated. Nothing is ever simple or it's not as it seems with the leftist ideology because that is part of the ideology is everything is changing all the time. It's evolving and so on. But as we take a closer look at it, we see what the Bible actually says about self-defense and what the Constitution actually says about the defense. So I'd like to talk to you for a moment about that this morning and see, just to get bring some clarity, since it seems the mainstream news media seem to be kind of gearing up. She was talking about, you know, follow-up interviews and this kind of thing. So as they're kind of gearing up to convince America they shouldn't protect themselves morally and constitutionally, they have not, they have not the right. She didn't say that, but that was the inference of it. Or it must be stopped, all of this nonsense of trying to protect yourself. So let's talk about it and try to get a kind of a clear view of what the Constitution is about and what the Bible says about self-defense. I want to take just a moment to thank you for your support. We need it. We wouldn't be here, of course, without it. And uh, each day we come on, we originate live, and then the other stations that carry us outside of the ACN stations um, play the program the same day, but it's a little bit delayed. But we try to stay current on what's happening in our nation. We try to look at the news. We try to look at the events of the day from a biblical perspective. And we have a growing audience, and so many of you stand with us financially, and you encourage us in what we're doing, and thank you for that. If you are not a part of this and you feel that it's worthwhile, I would encourage you to pray about supporting us. We need your support. We need you to stand with us. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. John Vallejo is the Executive Vice President of Gun Owners of America. I guess he was doing the same thing I was doing on Sunday afternoon. He also, or maybe he saw the program on the air. I didn't. I saw a video of it. But I watched all of the conversation. He also saw that piece on ABC, and he wrote a very informative article yesterday in response to that. It was published in The Federalist. So Vallejo begins with this, and I quote him. There's a problem in our society when people face prosecution for defending themselves in public. And when a major network props up an anti-gun activist on Sunday morning television to ridicule the basic right to self-defense with lies and rhetoric, the underlying issue in our rights at large as Americans face even greater peril. He continued, unfortunately, that scenario is exactly what America got this past weekend when ABC's Martha Raddus held a discussion with a Giffords Law Center to prevent gun violence attorney. Stand your ground laws in which the so-called expert blatantly lied on the air, claiming these statutes and precedents, quote, upend centuries of common law or self-defense and allow people to carry guns outside of the home. He said this is utter nonsense. He went on to warn that despite the recent reinforcement of the inherent right to self-defense in the New York, for example, this New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Buren, I mentioned that it was probably a year ago or so when this happened, but um, they were trying to pass a law in New York that said you could have a firearm in your house, but you couldn't carry it in your car. Well, 
or take it somewhere and you couldn't transport it. And, and so what they were trying to get at was to squeeze it down. To, if you had firearms, you could have them in your home in New York, uh, but you couldn't take them anywhere <laughs> or use them. And so that was, I mean, that's the bottom line. That's my version of, of what they were trying to do. It's, and it's other people's version as well. But anyway, um, they would would have required citizens when faced with a life-threatening situation to determine whether they could refrain from use of deadly force by essentially running away. And so they were putting it to where it was very uh, relative as to there was no real fixed law. And there, there really isn't if you look at self-defense. I mean, when is it an act of vengeance or anger or hatred? Even under the guise of self-defense, and when is it actual self-defense? That's a moral decision, and that's why our founders said that our Constitution was made, John Adams, in fact, was made only for a moral and righteous nation. In other words, if we depart from God's laws and God's principles in the Bible, our Constitution is not going to work as it was designed to work. And ultimately, it won't work at all. That's what they were telling. That's what he was telling us. He also had some thoughts on on um, self-defense. John Adams, our second president, one of our founding fathers, he said, arms in the hands of citizens may be used at indiv- individual discretion for the defense of the country, the overthrow of tyranny, or private self-defense. So they, they had a clear understanding. It was a moral understanding of self-defense and of just life as it happens. So anyway, he goes on to explain this um, th- this guy uh, who also saw this program. He, he said, in a constitutional republic that reveres and is structured to safeguard innate freedoms, including the right to self-defense, it's an abomination that a law-abiding citizen should be required to exhaust virtually all other options before defending himself. Duty to retreat not only costs precious seconds, but it also further emboldens violent criminals and can endanger additional lives. So what's he talking about, duty to retreat? Well, that that is a part of the law in determining if a person was acting, if they shoot someone or, or kill them, whatever, and that's part of the law in determining whether or not they were acting out of just anger and wanting to kill someone or if they really uh, thought they, that their life was in danger. And it, again, it's hard. I mean, that's a personal thinking on the part of an individual. So it's hard to get to the bottom line other than a person and their moral structure, what they believe, their worldview, as I often say on this program. So... That's what he's talking about here. But duty to retreat is a legal term, and it, it he, he says it's a bad legal term, and, and I, I would agree with him. But anyway, an analysis of state statutes and case law reveals that when discussing the defense of oneself inside the home, and I think we as believers need to understand this because there's a setup that's going on now. Well, for example, in Washington State, um, Yesterday, Governor Jay Inslee signed three bills into law. They all were prevent uh, were preventing aimed at preventing gun violence in Washington State, and gun violence has become a, a word that is used a million times a day in the media. It seems they're always talking about gun violence. It's actually violence committed by people, not by guns. 
but gun violence serves their end purposes, their end result, better. And so they use that phrase all the time. One of the bills signed into law bans assault-style weapons and other requires safety training, a 10-day waiting period before purchasing a firearm. And a third one is legislation to strengthen accountability of firearm manufacturers and retailers, according to Inslee's office. He, uh, Inslee said, he said, these are three victories, not one. And he said, it's clear why we need to take this action. He, th- he said, the weapons of war of assault weapons are assault weapons, and they have no reason other than mass murder. Their only purpose is to kill humans as rapidly as possible in large numbers. Well, that's the first step. That is the 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 domestic unions of long ago that brought us so-called gay marriage. This is the first step to bring us to a point that is the ultimate goal, and that is to have no guns and confiscate them. Because that is a fundamental belief of humanism. It's a fundamental belief of socialism, and particularly Marxism. And we're living in a state now where our freedoms and liberties are competing with cultural Marxism. And that's where we are. So that's, I'm not saying Inslee's, I I don't know what his beliefs are, but I know what his actions are. And and they're always in line with the far left and with cultural Marxism, particularly where it has to do with these kinds of issues. So anyway, we we need to be aware of, of the law and we need to be, cognizant of the fact that the law is being used as often as possible by leftist public officials to rule against a person. And I will say, and some would disagree with me, but I would say particularly where conservatives and Christians are concerned. So it's, inter- it's I think it's important that we know what this is. Twelve states still treat the right to self-defense with more skepticism merely if it occurs outside on the street rather than in one's own home. This is a serious matter. It's quite possible that the next major Second Amendment question is about to come before the Supreme Court. Bilecko says, shame on Martha Raddus for failing to call out the complete and utter lies from the Giffords anti-gun activists. Well, I mean, yeah, I agree with him. Shame on her. But they're not going to do that. They're going to keep this message going to the public, to the millions. That's why Tucker Carlson is gone from Fox News. Whatever all of the details were, the bottom line is they don't like what he was saying. Lachlan Murdoch, Rupert's son, he's not a big fan. He's not a conservative. He's a He's a liberal, far-left liberal, and he's now taking over from his father, and he's pretty much running Fox News, and which is, Fox News made $2 billion, $2.1 billion profit last year. I mean, it's a big deal. That's profit. So he's taking that over, but he doesn't care because he doesn't like the message. I mean, that's at the bottom line. I don't know how long Hannity thinks he can stay there either. I mean, these guys are becoming history because that's not where Lachlan is coming from. He likes Megyn Kelly. He'll probably bring her back and try to plug her into the system again. She's a conservative when she's at Fox. She's she's a lefty when she's on NBC, and now she's has a podcast or whatever. Anyway, Valeco says that shame on them for doing this, and they are 
they are presenting a completely false historical analysis. But with the recent resurgence in federal protections for Second Amendment, he says it's time that we have a constitutional right and it's made clear uh, to the public. But what does the Bible say? There's a lot more there. I actually wrote an article on this today. You can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us. Not .com or .net, or it, but .us. There's a lot of faith and freedoms out there today, and I've mentioned this before, but I mean a lot. We get checked. We got a check the other day from somebody that was signing up on some program with faith and freedom, and it wasn't us. And so we did what was right. We contacted the person and said, you sent us a check. And um, Rick talked to them and, and worked it out and, and said, we will be glad to send it back to you because it wasn't intended for us due to the other article that was with the check. So we, we get this all the time. And some that's an easy one to fix. We just tell the people that, you know, we'd love their support, but we understand it's not intended for us. But some others are a little more complicated. But nonetheless, faithandfreedom.us is our website. You can go on there. There's an article about some of the things I'm talking about today with there's sourcing and there's links to much more information about this. So I would encourage you to consider that. But let's take a moment and look at what the Bible says about self-defense. Sir William Blackstone, and I mention Blackstone often, his commentaries on the laws of England, he drew from scripture, civil laws, and he was followed. The laws of England became kind of the, the guide for laws back in the 1700s. In 1765, he explained that when one is forcibly attacked in his person or property, it is lawful for him to repel force by force, and he drew that from scripture. The proper use of self-defense has to do with wisdom, it has to do with understanding, and it has to do with simply common sense. In Luke chapter 22, verse 36, Jesus told his remaining disciples this, and I'm quoting Jesus. He said, and this is a paraphr- not a paraphrase, but it's a more modern translation. I normally quote from the King James Version, but to make it clear, and this is correct, this verse, I mean, it's properly interpreted. Jesus said, if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Jesus knew that now was the time when his followers would be threatened, and he upheld the right to self-defense. Jesus himself. Just a short time later, Jesus is arrested. Peter takes a sword and cuts off someone's ear. Jesus rebukes Peter for that act, but not because Peter was acting in self-defense. It was because Peter was acting out of the will of God. Because Jesus had told them repeatedly. He said, I, I am going to be I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. And that, I mean, essentially, if you look at it that way, that would have interfered with God's plan of redemption for mankind. So Peter was not acting in self-defense. He was acting out of, of, of common sense, but he was acting out of what God wanted and God's will. So we need to be sensitive in how we administer self-defense. But it is very much biblical. It's found throughout the Bible. In Exodus chapter 20, 22 and uh, verses 2 and 3, the Bible says if a thief is caught in the act of breaking into a house and is struck and killed in the process, the person who killed the thief is not guilty of murder. But if it happens at daylight, the one who killed the thief is guilty of murder. So we, have to, we, we just need to use discernment. 
And God will give us that. Luke 11.21 says, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own mansion, his property is safe. That talks about ownership of property. It talks about guarding self-defense. There's more, but that's what the Bible says about it. Thank you for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.